BorderCast podcast is a product of BorderCast.com. We are a dedicated team of meteorologists that provide weather forecasts, discussions, and analysis specific to Boulder County. If you want to receive email notifications for our posts, look for the subscribe button on our homepage. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at BoulderCast. If you have questions or comments, or would like to suggest a topic for future shows, message us at contact at BoulderCast.com. BoulderCast, a Boulder take on weather. Hello and welcome to the BoulderCast podcast. Your host Andy, Ben, and Matt are joining us as well. We're back. We are back indeed. Thanks for the introduction, Andy. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Trying to mix it up, make it more professional. Absolutely. <laughs> before uh, before we get into our shenanigans, uh, <laughs> I wanted to give a few shout-outs. Um, first Woo-hoo! off... First off, a shout out to Terry, who uh, is one of my friends and works at the University of Colorado Laboratory for Atmospheric and Space Physics. Go, Terry! She's yeah. a she's a frequent listener. She listens every week, and I want to thank her because last weekend she went ski shopping with me, and we probably spent about three hours in the store just looking at boots and helmets and goggles and all these things. And so she was really friendly. Sounds pricey. It was expensive, but she was really helpful in just helping me out. So I, I appreciate that. So so did you uh, find some good deals? Um, so I only ended up buying goggles. Okay. <laughs> Not with $100. <laughs> but uh, I found out, like, what kind of boot I need if I ever buy one. So, mm-hmm. But the price that the ones that the guy was quoting me were like $500. Oh, goodness gracious. Just for the pair. So, so I, I will, huh, I'll bring this up again because last year during the, during the sports authority ski grab sale, I think that's what they call it at least. They, I ended up getting a pair of boots there that were retailed <laughs> at like $450 for $50. Yeah. You were, so yeah, you were telling me about that. Yeah. And they're pretty nice. I mean, they're not the top. They're not top of the line by by any stretch, but still, they're pretty nice. They're gonna last me a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's all you really need. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's like your ski professionals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just want to find a good boot that'll fit my fit my feet and won't give me like ankle sores or like I did last year. That's important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You want to find the right. <laughs> but any kind of ski would be fine with me. Of and, course. You really? Can, that's what uh, Terry told me. She said, like, you can get pretty much any kind of ski as long as you can, you know, get the right boot. I mean, it's recommended to get the all-mountain all, all mountain ski right. because it'll give you powder, ice conditions. Yeah, it caters to everything. Caters to everything. But, but yeah, you're right. You want to get the right boot before anything else because, obviously, that's what your feet are going in. Yeah. So you want to be comfortable. Yeah. Don't want them to be too tight. Or too Don't loose. Don't want them to be too loose. Yeah. All that's really important. So, yeah. you did the right thing. Yeah. 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 Didn't buy anything. So I saved some money. <laughs> <laughs> Gaining some knowledge at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and then a second shout out to, I think his name is Brian. Um, I hope so. <laughs> if I remember right. 
Matt and I were running this race in El Dorado Springs last week. Um, it's like the race for the cure for Colorado Cancer Foundation. And someone comes up to me while we're getting ready for the race. And he's like, hey, what's going on? I mean, you guys haven't uh, posted a podcast for like a week or so. <laughs> I was like, oh, we have, a, we, have, we, have a, we have a listener. So, But he turns out he works at LASP at the University of Colorado as well. And he remembered me from the ping pong tournament that I ran last year. Last spring, so that you won, correct? That I won. <laughs> <laughs> so shout out to both those people. Um, Did Brian make it to the final round? Uh, he got to the. I think I might have beat him. <laughs> possibly, you knocked him out. <laughs> I, poss- I possibly might have knocked him out. <laughs> it's still hanging over his head to this day, isn't it? Yeah, I'm su- surprised he didn't punch me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> he holds a grudge. Hey, yeah, he, he's. He ruined his chance of getting that $20 gift card. I know. (laughs) (laughs) To Boulder downtown. That's right. (laughs) So, yeah. So, what have you guys been up to? I know, Matt, you said you had some breakthrough in your uh, research. Well, first off, I I should say it's it's absolutely great and wonderful to hear that we're getting more listeners. I mean. That is a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, we got listeners in Alabama, Atlanta, absolutely, Texas, Colorado. (laughs) (laughs) We're expanding little by little. (laughs) So uh, yeah, so earlier this week, I was um, I was meeting with my advisor about about my research and and more specifically my code. And basically, what we found what we found in some of my plots was that so was that the precipitation plot that I had created wasn't was like not matching up with the surface convergence plot. And so obviously you want you want them to line up pretty nicely. And in this case they weren't. What was actually happening was com- what where we thought convergence was taking place according to the plot was actually divergence. And so we just had to you know plot it as the opposite of what it was. And you had a sign error? It was so what it ended up being was the fact that I forgot to put a decimal a decimal point after minus one when I was when I was multiplying times minus one and IDL, I forgot the decimal point afterwards. And I guess that I guess because of that IDL ignored that command. And just kept it as is. Which I don't see why that would happen. Yeah, I don't know either. If anything, but, it would ruin your rounding. Right. And if it shouldn't, no, I don't know. Shouldn't do anything. It's weird. Yeah, I, I didn't think anything of it because, you know, obviously all the, all this time, which is why would that do anything? Was, was about months. It I mean, you know, I was thinking, oh, okay. Over the mountains we're set, we're having convergence and off the mountains we're having divergence when actually off the mountains we had convergence and over the mountains we had divergence. So, and then when you connect that with the vertical motion plot that I am creating and the, and the precipitation reflectivity plots that I'm creating, it all matches up and, and looks much better now. That's great. So, so it's a breakthrough. I mean, it's a mini breakthrough. So a mini breakthrough. <laughs> For me, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's what your PhD is. It's like mini, mini breakthroughs. A bunch of mini. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that. That's what I've been told. Yeah. 
So that that's uh pretty much what I've been up to. I'm taking a I'm taking an environmental quantitative analysis class, and it's pretty challenging because it's, it's mm-hmm. the first statistics class I've taken since undergrad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to go back over null hypotheses and p values. Oh, t tests. T tests. Probabilities. Terrible man. That's not awful. You did all that already? But I forget it. <clears throat> Do you have to calculate all those by hand to know the formula? Like for the t test or like standard deviation? Well, I'd like to, but I mean initially, but over time. I'll use IDL. I'll use IDL or R or whatever language I'm using sure. to calculate it because that'll be like way easier. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about the math requirement from CU? For our program, I guess. It's justified. You think? I think so. I mean, because and whatever and whatever and whatever research you're doing, you want to be able to, you know. Have that back, have that background, that creative background in performing different calculations. And so, I mean, if you if you're doing some some form of research, like for, in my case, I'm I'm looking at convergence zones mm-hmm. along the uh, Colorado Front Range. For now, I might be looking elsewhere later. But mm-hmm. I mean, right now, I might you know I might be lost on you know what else to plot after I've done certain plots. And so, I don't want to always rely on my advisor to go, okay, what should I do next? I want to be able to, you know, come up with other ideas on how to make my data look, you know, look good and present a good argument. Yeah. And perhaps the statistics class will help that. Yeah. I guess. I mean, they're also, they're so out there, though. Yeah, there's, they thought they have a a good one in a department. Yeah, I, that that's one thing I would like to see. They're always yeah, from another perspective. Yeah, like definitely some kind of engineering perspective or I think environmental science. Well, the not even that. Maybe. The department is definitely trying to uh, hire more people on to uh, try and fulfill all the different needs for the department, like like a modeling class and like like a math class. Things like that. Maybe, maybe even a, maybe even a synoptic meteorology class down the road. I mean, I don't know, but. Yeah, that would be really good. Yeah. But especially with, with the program going in the direction of formulating a major in the next year or so, maybe it's longer than that. But with that in mind, they're going to have to grow. And so obviously the faculty is, the size of the faculty is going to have to go up. As a result, because with the current with the current number number of faculty there, I don't think they could really support both a graduate program and a major. To me, or at least they'll be really difficult. You think the listeners have a grasp that atmospheric science has almost as much math as engineering? Possibly not. Maybe. I I think people are surprised really how much math there really is to it. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, we take all the classes all the way through, all you know, partial differential equations. We do. Mm-hmm. Like, the highest, one of the highest yeah. level calculuses you can take. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Physics you know, one, physics one and two. We have our undergraduate dynamics classes. We 
So we get our fair share of that. We take synoptic meteorology classes, which isn't necessarily all math, but, you know, it, mm-hmm. depending on which program you're in, you, you do more operational work and, like, you learn how to forecast and things like that. Or you might learn more about, like, synoptic scale meteorology in terms of, like, you know, different patterns that you see, like, you know, you learn about the waves. Te- like, yeah, the waves, high tendency equation, um, omega equation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it's all math. It's all math. <laughs> it's all gory. Very gory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't miss it. <laughs> oh, you don't? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's good to look back at those calculus books and be like, oh, I don't have to study that anymore. <laughs> but then to be like, wow, oh, how, how did I do that? <laughs> yeah. It's like, I totally forgot how to do all this. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Imagine that. I mean, look. I mean, when you, when you think about it, most, most of the material that you pick up on through undergrad and even graduate school, you probably don't retain. Yeah. 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 Unless you use it. Yeah. Unless yeah. you use it. Unless it's your expertise. Mm-hmm. Like Andy's an expert forecaster. Right. <laughs> I don't know about that, but. <laughs> <laughs> I like programming. <laughs> yep. <laughs> You like Steiner's a topical expert. Topical expert. <laughs> Do a little bit of severe weather. I'm kind of all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like to teach. That's true. That's kind of launch weather balloons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of all over the place. I like to do it all. So I think I'll just continue doing that, including my research. <laughs> so we gotta talk about our four fourteeners that we did. Holy smokes. I mean, <laughs> wow. How did that go? Did we talk about that? I guess not. No, because we didn't do one. can't remember. Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks since we did a podcast. That was fun. You missed out. Man, oh man. So, yeah. So, <laughs> so we got, yeah, we got there. It was crazy. So, where you guys went... The ter- the terrain to get to the trailhead, I hear, is pretty rocky. Is yeah, correct. From the driver, you heard. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you guys. <laughs> so yeah. So you guys took Joseph's uh, car. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. It wasn't like absurd, but right. You need a four wheel drive. Yeah. The Corolla would have had a rough time. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> and my car would have had a rough time. Yeah. So he had <laughs> clearance though. Yeah. It wasn't horrible though. I wouldn't want to be in there in my no, car. No. No way. Don't do it. <laughs> there were some, like, crazy parts, but, but, yeah. And it was weird, because, like, everyone drove to the end of the road and, like, parked there in this giant mass. Yeah. And, like, I don't know how people got out of there. Right. There was, like, nowhere to turn around, and people were parking on both sides of the road. And the middle of the road wasn't wide enough for a car to go down. Yeah. <laughs> so, you guys... It was a mess. So, you guys made it to the trailhead, and then you can pretty much hike off. All four 14ers in one day? Yeah. The the trail starts out and you go up to... So wait, it's a circle. It's a circle, pretty much. Yeah. Right. Is this a circle, yeah. Is this, is this one where uh, Kite Lake is located? Yeah. Okay. You been there? No, I've heard about it, though. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we got there, 
and I didn't know it was a thing, but apparently people just go there and do Mount Democrat and go home. That's it? <laughs> apparently people... With the three other 14ers just sitting there? Yeah. Goodness gracious. Because soon. it was so crowded. Yeah. And, like, there's a million people going up Democrat. And mm-hmm. we're like, all right, well, we're going to go the other way around the circle. Yeah. And there's, like, one person that side. It's yeah, awesome. It's pretty empty. Is Democrat, like, the easiest of the four? I don't even know. It doesn't really make sense why everyone was doing that one. It was really short. It was only like three miles to do the whole 14. Yeah. You start at like 12,000. You go up to 14 more. Yeah, I hear the trailhead is pretty, so, pretty high. I mean, it's a pretty easy 14er. Mm-hmm. You're exposed to a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No trees. <laughs> yeah, there's no trees. But yeah, we, they were, they're all pretty easy, really. I mean, yep. It's just that there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. It was just, Getting up the first one was the hardest because it's, it's all 2,000 it's, feet. It's pretty steep, but then right. once you're up there, the next three. You just fall this bridge. Yeah. Pretty, oh, really? Pretty simple. Yeah. Not much to it. You go up, down, up, down, up, down. Yeah. I mean, Democrat was the last one we did, and that was a little bit more tiring because <laughs> we were pretty much tired by that time. Of course. <laughs> but it wasn't that extreme. So, what time did you guys start? Six thirty. Um, yeah, like, I think about six thirty. Okay. And we got done about three thirty. Wait, really? Was it that long? You guys did all four in what was that? Five and a half, nine hours. Maybe we got done earlier. Wow. I don't remember? We got back to the the wing place. I think around five thirty. Oh yeah. So two, maybe two hours. So maybe we got done earlier. Four four. Maybe we got done at like two thirty. Four fourteeners in nine hours. That's remarkable. It's only eight miles though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean We like, were going slow too. We didn't really care. We were taking a lot of pictures hanging out. Yeah. We got to the every summit we took like a thirty minute break and like <laughs> sat in the in the wind shelter and like tried to warm up. <laughs> well, we got to the top of the first peak and the wind speeds were Gusting to near 60. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. I think. Yeah, I got some with, 60 mile an hour gusts. With Ben's, uh, instrument. Wind instrument. Nice. Like Handheld in a monitor. There you go. The monitor. Yeah, and it was like upper 30s. Yeah. Oh, really? And the wind chill was like 20. Were you guys ready for it? It didn't seem right though. 60 mile an hour wind with their 40 degrees. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. only dropped it by 20 degrees. Yeah, but, that's nuts. And it was cold. Yeah, I had shorts on, and I wasn't ready for that. Yeah. Really? Dude, yeah. I thought you were... I, I think it's just shorts were that bad. We all had shorts on. Yeah, I guess it wasn't. I mean, well, the jacket wasn't warm enough. But there was, like, no storms. Was there? I, I think there was maybe, like, a few a few sprinkles at one point, but not much. Oh, yeah, sprinkles. Yeah. No snowflakes? <laughs> no snowflakes. All right. Yeah, it was close. It was just a little bit colder, but it was fun. It's recommended. I know. Yeah, it's a good Oh, idea. yeah, and, and one of the 14ers was officially closed. Cause someone bought it. <laughs> and like, bought it? Someone bought a 14er and made it private property. Like, five years, or no, like, eight years ago. Which one is it? Oh, Bross. It's the first one. So you can't Or the last one, depending on which You can't hike it by law? No. But, there's nobody there, and the trail just keeps going. Right. And it just says, trail closed, turn left here, and then... Uh, no. <laughs> and, like, everyone was going up there, and, like, yeah, I don't know. Well, you know, it's like... <clears throat> I think, like, a mining company bought it or something. 
Oh, really? It's a pretty mining area. Well, you know, it's like it's like telling an 18-year-old kid, no, you're not allowed to drink alcohol. Yeah. It's going to make him want to drink alcohol more. <laughs> you, you you put a sign up on a 14er that says, close private property, you're just going to walk right through it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everyone was doing it. Everybody was doing it. Yeah, yeah no one skipped it. <laughs> no, there wasn't that many people there, really, but... And then there was that crazy guy that was biking. I know. I don't that know guy how. was nuts. <laughs> biking? He was biking up and down the 14ers. Impressive. Going, like, pretty fast. Really? He's yeah. crazy, though. Yeah, he was, like, speeding down. I was worried for him. I mean, he had a mountain bike, but he was... There was a lot of exposure. Yeah, that was... <laughs> I mean, that's... You fall once, you're gone. <laughs> Maybe he's a professional. I guess. I guess. Yeah, it was, it was fun. Yeah. So he must have had to carry that up the mountain down like that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? But we went camping that night too. Yeah, that was pretty At a cool. random campsite. Oh, yeah? Near Fair Play. Was it free? No, it wasn't free. Oh, man. I wish it was free. It was like $15 oh, or $20. Okay. What'd you guys have for dinner that night? Uh, oh, we had um, chicken wings from this. Oh, oh, oh okay. Like, <laughs> like, Hot wings, but I, I had like mild wings. Oh, okay. But, um, was that in fair play? Uh, what was it? Uh, conifer, right? Oh, yeah, conifer. Oh, like conifer? a small, like a small mom and pop wing place. Like the best wings in Colorado. Uh, yeah, okay. was it called Wing? Wing Wagon. Wing Wagon. You so, always say Wing Street. <laughs> no, Wing Station. A Wing Station. So, so let me get I kept pronouncing it wrong like all night. So you guys, wings. so you guys hiked the 14ers, then drove to conifer. Got got dinner there, and then drove back to yeah. uh to Fairplay. Drove uh, home the border. Oh, okay. So that was like the, your last day. Out. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. we woke up, we drove there, camp, hiked the fourteen the next day, and then went home. Oh, okay. Stopped the car and went home. Actually, went there twice. <laughs> it was so good. Conifer's a good place. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah. It's a it's a funny story like we on the way out there we stopped there and then so we get in there we're like looking at the menu trying to figure out what to get joseph's like hey you want to split like a wing dinner i'm like yeah let's do that uh ben gets i think a burger or something i'm like i don't feel, i'm not feeling wings tonight i'm gonna get a burger at wing wing wagon <laughs> so, so like joseph's like looking at the menu while the the lady you know oh. waiting to take the order yeah He's like, maybe I'll get the butter and garlic. Oh. And then the, and then the guy's like, it's just butter and garlic. <laughs> As if that's like, why would you get that? <laughs> He's like, you're going to wing wagon and you're getting butter and garlic. <laughs> Who gets Wait, that? Way to go. Like the owner made photo. So, yeah. So. The owner was a big Patriots fan, so you know Joseph was like, oh, uh, he was in love. They were chatting about Tom Brady. I'm everything. sure he'll go back. Oh yeah. yeah. He'll go back. Just for just to go there. That was funny though. It was, but I, I did order butter and garlic on the way back. <laughs> did you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was tempted by it. Oh really? It must be really good. I would recommend it if you're gonna do those four fingers. Wing station. Stop there. No. Wing wing, wing wagon. <laughs> right up of highway two eighty five in Conifer. So what kind? <laughs> so what kind of wings are there? Are they like naked wings or are they like heavily breaded? 
No, they're just like if you go to Buffalo Wild Wings. Oh yeah, they're yeah. like those, but oh, they're, those are good. but they're, they're about that bread. But know. they're bigger than the Wild Wings. Oh yeah, I mean, they destroyed Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah, Buffalo Wild Wings are like little tiny chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the weird like I don't even know. What yeah, who knows? Yeah, reminds reminds me of uh, one of those documentaries that I watched on Netflix. I remember the title of it, but it talked. They talk about all the large food companies and how they try to maximize their profits by producing more food faster. Yeah. By like. Why not? Because well, they, I mean, yeah, like <laughs> taking advantage of animals, but right, yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just they like. It's the world we live in. Yeah, exactly. They they put in some they put in bad stuff in, into the animals, and it's not necessarily healthy for us. Yeah. Either. So, yeah, some of the people. Don't. Yeah, I watched that once and I like yeah. <laughs> didn't want to eat food for weeks. But did you really? <laughs> oh, I never got that far. Yeah, I mean, I hear I hear some people watch those videos and they immediately go vegetarian. Yeah, but, but I couldn't. I'll I'll never get there. Yeah, you know, you just have to. I can see it though. Some people are yeah. fragile, right? Just or, have to just have to go into it with an open mind. Maybe they have more valiant morals. I don't know. <laughs> I would never do it about me. No. Even after that. Dude, you think they treat trees good? <laughs> you think I'm corn sure. wants to be grown in a field like <laughs> crammed in there? Where... <laughs> Very good point. <laughs> well? Well, I, I see you eyeing up the uh, September outlook on the Boulder Task website. Oh boy, here we go. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to discuss. I was just thinking about what you guys thought about this September. After what happened in August, where we were supposed to be, you know, El Nino, monsoon, you know, being having a pretty strong presence. Right. And then pretty much letting us down. Right. Yeah. yeah. With that ridge. I guess if persistence is the key, then a September would be pretty much similar to August, but it's hard to say. <laughs> yeah. As you know, the winds can change. So... But yeah, the, everything's kind of pointing towards rainy and cold again, or cooler, yeah, than normal. Well, I think I think we're definitely supposed to cool off a little bit next week. So, I guess the question the question moving forward will be: Will there be any precipitation associated with that cooler air? Yeah, yeah, we got a cold front moving in, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Yeah, well, we're moving dangerously close. To the two-year anniversary of the Great Colorado Flood. That's true. So maybe a repeating pattern. I actually saw that in the model. Yeah, it's all the way like two weeks out though. Right. A huge cutoff low looks really similar. Yeah. I should have saved it to you guys, but must be a bias. <laughs> yeah, it must be. Of which. Ben will be actually doing a post of the two-year anniversary on our website. So you'll be sure to check that out. When yeah, it's pretty much done. It'll just be coming up here in the next few days. That'll be exciting. Probably on the anniversary. Mm-hmm. There you go. September 11th. September 11th. Or 10th, whatever you really want to say it started. Yeah. Or the 9th. The 9th, yeah. Technically when the big front went through and... Yep. Ruined our 90 degree day. Dropped our, yeah, dropped our temperatures. So do we think we'll have another 90 degree day this year? 
Ooh, that's a tough question. I would say I yes. I would say yeah, but... I'll go with yes. We've had it in October before. Yeah. Like, in 2012, and maybe even last year. Mm-hmm. But... 100 degree days? No. <laughs> yeah, probably not. That's over with. Zero 100 degree days this year. Yeah. It's a miracle. My favorite thing. <laughs> I, fig- I figured as dry as we've been over the past month that maybe we would have gotten a, yeah. at least one 100 degree day. But We got close. I think we got 96 a few weeks ago. Yeah. No, 99. No, I mean like a few weeks ago wasn't it like mid-90s? Um. Yeah, probably. I yeah. Think, I don't think a few weeks ago. I think last week. Was that last, last weekend? Yeah, last week. <laughs> I think it was 96. 95-ish. Was it really? Wow. Yeah. And even so, this week it was 93, I think. Yesterday, the day before, so. So we were, were pretty close. We're coming and going. Yeah. Never had two 93 days to start. And then today. For all, the, for all those people out there that think Colorado's always cold, why don't you come out and visit? <laughs> See for yourself. Don't come in the spring or September. Right. <laughs> Which then you'll be You'll be getting what you're expecting. <laughs> I guess we could talk about, yeah, just a little bit about August. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, just that it was uh, 2.4 degrees above average. Yeah. Wow. That's... Even though we were in the greater than 40% chance of below average temperatures. I'm not CBC. Well, that's interesting. And we got 0.31 inches of rain for the month. Yeah, <laughs> we were not very wet. Which is about... 10% of normal. So much for the monsoon, right? <laughs> yeah, it really let us down. Well, if you guys, do you guys remember that day it snowed? Yeah. That was a pretty good day. Yeah. Snow in August, even that. That's pretty beautiful. Mm-hmm. Looked pretty good in the mountains. Thought maybe, man, this might be a sign of things to come. <laughs> but, just, yeah. uh, then of course we get a rebound. <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty, pretty good month. I mean, as far as weather, yeah, it was a little hot. Yeah, it was, but I'll and, take it. You know, a lot of the vegetation started turning brown. Mm-hmm. Kind of a brutal month. Yeah, yeah, the green couldn't last forever. <laughs> so green, <laughs> all the way through July. Yeah, it was. Was it one of those days last week? So we had all that smoke last week. All right, visibility. And July. then that one front moved through that Thursday. Yep. And like, it was like severe clear. It was like, <laughs> severe clear? It was like it's a, a clear warning. It was like a <laughs> clear. It was just like amazing you know, how, how much better you could see. And it like, like got rid of all that smoke. And then yeah. it came back Friday in the weekend and now it's gone this week. Fortunately. Yeah, on Saturday, which would have been like September or like August 29th or something, it was really smoky. And I just remember it was, I was smelling like campfire. Like all day, yeah, and I was inside, <laughs> and that was a really hot day. I think maybe not. But um, it looks like the Pacific Northwest has become more active, at least since late last week. Mm-hmm. So maybe that'll help cut down some of the fires. Maybe down the road, down the road, yeah. Mm-hmm. But at least it'll kick all that smoke out of our way. It'll keep it. That's true. Away from us and push it, push it into Canada. I think it's really gotten better. At least as far as Oregon and Washington. So they put out most of it. You see that crazy storm they got, like, last week? 
I saw the predicted rainfall from the GFS. It was just this crazy storm. I had a couple friends who live in Seattle. And there was like 70 mile an hour winds and stuff. It looked in like Seattle? In, well, in the area. Wow. There was all kinds of power outages and trees down. Oh my. It was like crazy for an August storm. It wasn't even thunderstorms. It was just, you know, the, I think the low pressure was like 982 millibars. Oh wow. <laughs> for August? Yeah. Off the coast? And it's just like a mini hurricane coming in. That's intense. Oh. So like crazy for August. Yeah. Hmm. Well, maybe. And they got a lot of rain in the Cascades and pretty much up and down, you know, the northwest. Yeah. Not California. Though. It always seems to go <laughs> around. Well, a lot can change. So there's still a long way to go before El Nino will come to a close. Yeah. Whenever that is. But yeah. But. Maybe a northwest flow is in, the, is in the future for Colorado. If that's the case, it's usually a pretty good flow pattern to see if you want to see a lot of snowfall in the mountains. So, uh, that was especially the case yeah. in the in the winter of 2014, where, as as you all know, here in Colorado, we I mean most most of the western slopes got Tons of snow. I mean, record snow in some areas. Mm-hmm. Some of the ski resorts. So. Yeah. But Steamboat did pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Northwest. Yeah. Definitely. Every ski resort has their favorite direction. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what other ones are good with Northwest. Mm-hmm. And a Steamboat is. Yeah. Yeah. Winter Park can do Northwest. It can do Southwest. It's, it's a pretty, Safe, safe ski resort for snow. Oh, yeah. It's like Eldora. East. Yeah. <laughs> East. Easterly for Eldora. Yeah. <laughs> a Basin's an interesting one, though. Because the, the ski resort is so high. So, so yeah, Easterly Flow, it favor, it, it gets favorable snowfall from because it's, it's pretty close to the front range. But mm-hmm. at the same, but at the same time, I feel like the, the ski resort itself is so high up that you know, I, I I just think they probably Good get significant snow from any direction on this. Yeah, that would that would make sense. Yeah, it's a high one, huh? Over twelve or something. Most yeah, most of the mountains above tree line. So. Wow. Yeah. And I'm, I'm that's one and that's one of the things I'm really afraid of when it comes to skiing is skiing above tree line. And I've done it a few times and it's kind of intimidating. It gets a little bit steep up there. It does. <laughs> yeah. It really does. So. Yeah. Just my second year skiing, but. <laughs> oh yeah. We should go this, this, this year. We should. Yeah. Are you getting a, a ski pass? I went last week and I got the winter park and copper. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so, a good one to get. So we can go. Gotta buy them early. Gotta buy them early. Yes, you do. But the cheap price. Good time to get it. Are you really in? <laughs> yeah. Well, some other interesting weather going on or is what's going on in tropics. So I mean nothing? Well, in the Atlantic oh, okay. it's it's we've seen kind of a uh, a build up in tropical activity in the in the extreme southern portions of the northern Atlantic Ocean. And so we've seen tropical cyclones form as they move off of the African, the African continent 
But then as they move closer and closer to Mm -hmm. the Caribbean and Gulf of Mexico, that's where all the, all the significant wind shear is and anything that Mm -hmm. even approach, comes close to approaching it just gets sheared apart and dies out pretty quickly. Yeah. So. Travel Storm. I forget the name. The one that was going towards Florida. Oh, right, right. Um, and then this thing was with an E. Erica. Aaron? Erica, yeah, okay. Yeah, Erica. So. Yeah, Erica got ravaged. Yeah, Erica. It was a hurricane at one point. Yeah. And then it's, it started moving over some islands. I think moved over to Spaniola. Mm-hmm. And it never recovered after that. Just, and that's never had a chance due to the influence of the, of the land. And mind you, Hispaniola also has some, has some pretty high terrain. Yeah. So it, it's no Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's, uh, but it has to deal with that, has to deal with the wind shear. And so combine those two things together and it, yeah. it just never had a chance. So anything that's approaching, the Caribbean Gulf of Mexico, it looks like it's just going to die, which is good news for for the Gulf states because they don't have to worry about landfalling storms, at least not intense landfalling storms. I mean, yeah. they'll they'll still get some uh, some <laughs> rain out of it, sometimes very heavy rain. But yeah. as far as organized hurricanes, no, you, you can throw that out the window. <laughs> the forecasting is coming together pretty well. So far, there's more tropical cyclones than I had hoped for up to this point. Yeah. Because we're still not even, cl- we're, well, we're not, we're getting closer to the peak of the season, which is right around September 12th. Uh-huh. So, I, w- I was hoping that we'd have right around four at that point, and we're a little past that number. Six? Okay. So, so, it, yeah, given that we have six, I think, named storms, so far, we still haven't had a major hurricane, which I do believe will get out of the season without a major hurricane. So that's still intact. <laughs> and the eight that I forecasted is still intact for the number of name storms we have. But things, would, <laughs> things would really have to wind down quickly now for that to confirm. I think we may end up having a little bit more than eight for the season. Yeah, just with how active... The African coast has been. Yeah. <laughs> but if you... Like, yeah. Yeah. But on the contrary, if you look out in the Pacific... Oh, man. They currently... It's amazing. Yeah, they currently have three Category 4 cyclones out there. Two of them in the Central Pacific and one in the West Pacific. So, it's extremely active out there. Yeah. Huh. So here's a, here's a question for you. Yeah. It's amazing. If, if uh, Enso makes more shear in the Atlantic Ocean, right? Right. Which cuts down on hurricane activity. Right. How come it doesn't decrease? In the Atlantic? Or in the, West, in how the come it doesn't, Pacific? How come it doesn't decrease it over the mm-hmm. Pacific? That's a good question. I mean, that's the warm zone, right? I go, oh, I go over the topics. Oh, she was saying. This I mean, that's where the warmest water is. That's going to be where all the... Enhanced lift, I would think, would be. So I guess if it was mid latitudes, maybe that's why they weaken as they get towards mid latitude. I don't know. More wind shear. I'm just. It's. That could be it. Yeah. I yeah. I. That's a really good question. Um, one that is 
I should probably look into it a little bit more. But but uh, maybe it has something to do with the the, the dynamical flow on you know how that inner like somehow that energy over the the equatorial Pacific is somehow lifted and then affected eastward over towards the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. And so, and so somehow the, the jet stream is, is somehow intensified by, by that extra energy that's, that's picking up from the equatorial Pacific. So maybe there's a connection there. Okay. Which, yeah. which at the same time wouldn't affect the, uh, Pacific Ocean. But I'm not exactly sure why. So, I think it's actually diminished here in the Pacific. Because Hawaii is often in a pretty sheer zone, like we right. talked about last week. Like right. This year, it's kind of a hot zone. Yeah, I know. Storms aren't having any trouble getting to Hawaii. No, they're not. And they're going straight north of Hawaii, curving around. <laughs> it's kind of scary, actually, when you think about it, how quickly things have changed for them. Because just five years ago, or maybe maybe a little bit longer than that, I mean, we were talking about, you know, Oh well, Hawaii—they never get these cy- these tropical cyclones ever, yeah. and it looks like they'll never get them. And now here we are. Yeah, they came pretty close, like six times already. I'd say yeah. this year, yeah, maybe more. Because mm-hmm. usually we're we're taught we're we're always talking about Mexico getting impacted by these things, and so far this year they haven't even been discussed once. I think that's a big impact that had on our weather for August. Mm-hmm. So where the the climate prediction center was predicting those active cyclones to actually be influencing us, you know, turning northeast into the you know Gulf of California, mm-hmm. and then getting drawn north where it is monsoon, you know, added monsoon moisture, moisture for us. Yeah, but that never happened in August. Right. Not once. Yeah, all the storms never came towards shore. Nothing made landfall. Yeah, on uh. Baja California. Yeah. Well, you know, it's tough to predict. <laughs> I mean, some, I mean, the climate models, they, it's can't, interesting. they can't always get it correct. I mean, it's, that's a tough, I mean, it's tough to always expect the climate models to be correct on these things. Yeah. Especially when we're talking about time scales that are further out than days, weeks, yeah. months. Yeah. What do you guys mean? Yeah. Yeah, but so yeah, the, the, there was another storm in the Pacific, tropical storm Kevin. You know mm-hmm. that one? That one just formed, and originally it looked they had it turning into the coast, mm-hmm. and now it's completely turning out to sea. Like it could have had an impact on <laughs> us. <laughs> it was actually going to move over. The remnants would have been moving over us on Sunday. Yeah, coming up, but nope. <laughs> Which is probably good because you're camping. So. Yeah, yeah, it's actually good. <laughs> it's still going to be really wet tomorrow night. Yeah. Um, at least in the western part of Colorado where I'll be. Uh-oh. Kind of worried. Oh, boy. But as long as it rains at night, I don't care. I'll be in the tent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which hopefully is waterproof. Right. Should be. Should be. Yeah. But it kind of looks like a deluge. <laughs> so the western part of the state. Yeah. But yeah, that's even without Kevin. Kevin's going out to see. Goodbye, Kevin. Sorry, Kevin. <laughs> no Kevin for you. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. So well, there was that one hurricane in the Atlantic. I was going to ask you about, Matt, that it literally just came off Africa. Right. And almost instantaneously it formed into a tropical storm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it was literally like less than 100 miles offshore, yeah. I swear. It and, just, it, and it since has, has just weakened and kind of meandered northwestward across the that, Atlantic. Wasn't it the first hurricane to develop that far east or something? something oh. Like, that? like on record or something? Okay, yeah. To be observed in the satellite? Yeah, that's a good Yeah, I was wondering if you guys heard anything about that. I thought it was just extremely rapid. It came off of Africa and formed... It had to be like people could have seen it from the shore or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were so close. That would be awesome. I don't know how it organized that fast. Okay, so yeah, we're talking about Tropical Storm Fred. Okay. Which became a hurricane, yeah, pretty shortly after it had moved over the Atlantic. Is it for this east forming storm you heard? That's what I heard. That would make sense. Know. I couldn't imagine something forming faster. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. But but at the same time, I mean, I I know back in the in the first decade of the century, we were uh, it always seemed like waves that moved off the Africa the African coast would develop as tropical depressions and tropical storms fairly quickly. So, this one was so fast. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this one was nearly instantaneous, so like, which is pretty uncanny. I bet it was less, I don't know, less than 200 miles from shore, yeah. I would say. I don't know, though. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I know if it was just, like, extra warm water or, like, yeah, I don't know what it could have been. To organize it. Yeah. Just super favorable. Like cheer. Some divergence of law. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it really, I mean, it really does seem like things are starting to amp up a little bit out there, but I mean, at least enough to form tropical cyclones, but as far as hurricanes so far, I mean, it seems like right as the storm comes off the African coast, it, it doesn't do quite as well, especially if it's gaining latitude. Like if it if it's it if it's in lower latitudes, it seems like so far this year the storms have been you know have been in better shape. But as it gains more latitude, like if it just it, like for example if it if it decides to recurve to the north, there's just too much shear at that latitude, so it's just just getting sheared apart at that point. Really? Yeah. yeah. So, br- brutal year for them. But yeah, that's pretty pretty interesting to see a storm form that quickly as it's moving off the African coast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of a different topic. <laughs> but when do you guys think we'll get our first snow? Oh boy. I'm not the expert. <laughs> <laughs> You're a winter weather expert. A, what? <laughs> Dude, you got four inches as a kid. I'm from Alabama. I'd, I'd say I'm like a law of averages kind of guy. Me so too. Last year was the earliest. Yep. On record, so I'll say probably be the like, latest. I'll probably say like maybe mid October, like average. I don't know. I don't know. I'm getting I'm getting a big feeling that we're gonna have a big October storm this year. I mean, that's that could happen. Yeah. I'm just not very good at predicting long range. <laughs> yeah, I mean. But I guess since yeah. we've been warm. In August, maybe September will be also warm, so maybe it'll be somewhat of a lag to get the cold air coming in. But it's not always the case. But yeah. that's just me thinking of 
Persistence, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when we'll get our first snow. I, I do know. think it'll be in October. I think it'll be before Halloween, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it'll definitely be before Halloween. I agree with that. What do you think about the first big storm? Well, just remember that among amongst the ten snowiest storms that we've ever seen here, mm-hmm. nine of them came from El Nino years. Yeah. So, with yeah, an El Nino is, on the horizon. Yeah, this is going to be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and... <laughs> In 1997-98 El Nino year, we broke nine daily snowfall records. Uh-oh. <laughs> wow. Let's still hold up today. And then this year's El Nino could be bigger than... Yeah, even better. Than the 97 El Nino. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Armageddon so, of snowstorms. So you could have a couple big ones. Yeah. Like we said before, but... I mean, this will be the first winter that October. I've actually experienced in El Nino. No, 2009. Well, I mean, coming here. Oh, yeah, in 2010, yeah. yeah. It's either been neutral or La Nina. Yeah, that's true. Well, the, the 0910 El Nino wasn't near as strong as this one. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. nothing that, was as strong as this one. <laughs> this is gonna be the El Nino. Yeah, I mean, it, it, so far it's looking like it. What's the index? Um. I think, uh, have think, they exceeded the 97 one yet? Or have they? I think it's, I'm not sure. It was close to two. Oh, really? It was a, it was really close to the same level as 1997. Oh, they're forecasting it to keep going. Right. Did you guys see the forecast plot from Bouldercast? I did, yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's not even on the chart because the chart doesn't even have, doesn't have the bounds for this. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny that they don't have <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah. This chart, it goes right. outside the bounds of the chart. Yeah. So over 2.5. And who knows what, what that's even going to. Probably close to 3. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few of them that are like just at 2, I guess. No, just a little bit over 2. Like the lowest ensemble member. Yeah. Yeah. So, who knows? Oh, man. There we go, guys. It'll be interesting. We're getting the three foot of snow. Oh, that would be awesome. Right. I probably wouldn't sleep that night. I would not. And I'm pretty sure I'm all the you, schools. I got a feeling. I'm pretty sure all the schools, including CD Boulder, which never closes, by the way, would have to close this time. It's true. <laughs> I mean, Noah closes for four inches, so I would. Do they really? I don't know. No. Ben probably can attest to it more, but. They, I've seen them, I don't know if I've ever seen them close outside of the flood. Okay. Noah? I thought they were off one day. Yeah, I think they closed a couple times for snow. They definitely closed more chance than CU. CU never closes. No. No. See, I've seen multiple 10 a.m. starts. Yeah. Have yeah. you seen any of those? Well, I went through one of them. I think on, yeah, on an exam day once. Ooh. Hell is rough. Like December? Something? It was, uh, it was February. Okay. It wasn't finals. It was, it was our first exam in, uh, our radiation class. Radio transfer and remote sensing. Yeah. Oh, that was kind of brutal. But at the same time, it was kind of nice because we got an extra five days to study. <laughs> it was nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, 
if you get lucky or not, and getting that first two hours of classes or not. Yeah. I think all the time it happened for us, I never had class that early. Right. Or maybe. I don't remember. Like, come on, come on. <laughs> come on, make it 11 a.m. start. <laughs> Seriously. There's 15 inches. Why is it always 10 a.m.? Such a random time. I know. <laughs> it's, it's not too bad, though. Nah. I think in high school it went 9 a.m. Is it really? At my school. I think mine was 8 a.m. When it was delayed, it was 8 a.m.? Oh, okay, delayed. Yeah, it was probably eight. No, I think it was 9. Yeah, mine was 9. There's like, what are they going to do in that extra 30 minutes? Right. We have like <laughs> 600 miles of road in our county. <laughs> do I even have to say what my what my school would do? Oh, no. <laughs> Just the like, the tiniest bit of ice that fell would close the schools. <laughs> Dude, that's ironic. Yeah. Dude, my school closed for like the tiniest tropical depressions. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> for like her or uh, like tropical depression, Isabel, yeah. and, like Ivan and Katrina. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> they closed for those because it's going to be like rainy. I guess. Yeah. And they don't want like the school to flood. Oh. There's like no yeah. near the school. Right. Didn't make any sense. <laughs> but like twenty feet of snow, you're going in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there's any ways there's a tropical you're depression, right. you're done. So it's kinda like the opposite of Alabama. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you guys just you guys go to school for Katrina. School's closed, there's an inch of snow on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Hurricane's coming, just shut the door. <laughs> yeah. Don't let the kids out for reasons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Surf's up. Oh, that's good. Well, Andy has a good topic this week. All right. If you want to get into that. Yeah, if you want to, if you have anything else to talk about for the September. Um, not really. Other than they keep going. They keep going with cold and wet. And from what I saw, the models were somewhat suggesting that. But who really trusts those? They look pretty <laughs> active in the first part of September. Yeah, I mean, if you're I mean, thinking we're going to get an early snow, then maybe they're right. Oh, so another quick question is: What do you guys think about the last 120 years of September rainfall totals? For the listeners, you can check it out on the website. But I, I mean, I was like, <laughs> I was like very brief, briefly looking at it the other, the other day, and it's probably just coincidence and mm-hmm. probably just noise. But you can kind of see like periods where it goes up. Then it goes down, then it goes up. And it's sort of like a yeah. 20 to 30 year variation where yeah. it's like, but it's, it's like probably just random. 1940, noise. 1970, 2000. <laughs> so maybe it's. I don't know if we're in the up period now, but. So it'd be <laughs> interesting to see if that's correlated to ENSO and some other indices. Right. right. Some 20 to 30 year variation. <laughs> how, how far outside, how many standard deviations do you think? <laughs> How many standard deviations one, was 2013? The one outlier. It looks like it's like. Four. That's like 30 standard deviations. <laughs> yeah. That's way off. That's like. Eight, like over 18 inches. Yeah. When the average is less than two. It's just crazy. That's just nuts. And. It doesn't happen. Like I said, just that. Like I mentioned in this post, but just that one year. Made September the third wettest month of the year. <laughs> when considering the last thirty years of climatology. 
Isn't that crazy? One week. One what? week, May, September, the third wettest month, when in reality it should be like one of the bottom, bottom driest months. Right. Because, you know, September is usually pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, After yeah. the monsoon ends, you just got this kind of lull before the winter snowstorms arrive. Yep. <laughs> but nice clear sky days. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, there's been 27, 27 times it's snowed in September. Not 27 times, 27 years, I guess. Okay. Which is like one out of every five years that we have. So September snow. So yeah. where we see that we had some last year, I mean, we're... So we probably shouldn't see any this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Statistically speaking, you would be correct. <laughs> so, yeah, we shouldn't see any this year. But we did get twenty-one a 21 inch blizzard in 1971. So. Wow. Who knows? Uh, that was September 17th. That's like next week. <laughs> interesting. In two weeks. Oh, boy. Was so, that in El Nino year? Yes. Um, I looked it up and no, it was a uh, basically a neutral year. Okay. Well, last year, I guess, was neutral, too. So. Or, well, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, but we're looking for big snowstorms. Yeah. I mean, think about El Nino. We, we get bigger snows. I mean, yeah. Not necessarily more. Probably get a better chance for getting a cutoff low in the southwest. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of rotate around for a few days. And then maybe that would get you a two or three footer. Yeah. Yeah, that's all that's I need. That's the hope. It's those southerly trajectory lows that Usually pumping the moisture. Yeah. Yeah, we got like none of those last year. No. <laughs> I don't know how we got as much snow as we did last year. Oh, I know. It, it was like a whole bunch of tiny storms. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty much it. We never really got, I don't know what our... Actually, we got that one big storm. Yeah, we had that one big one. like 19 inches or yeah. something, but it was like over 48 hours. Yeah, it wasn't, you know... <laughs> I'm I'm still waiting for that one that just dumps snow on us in the 24 hour period. Yeah. It just completely overwhelms us to the point that we can't go outside. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 <laughs> and he's pumping his fish. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. He's <laughs> like, yeah. He's getting excited for winter. Man, that would just be snowmageddon for Alabama if that ever happened. Oh, man. Imagine. You couldn't even, I mean, yeah, be bad. They don't, right, they don't have any salt on stock. stock. Yeah. Probably, do they? They what? They don't have salt on stock, do they? Uh, Like the northern areas? Yeah, northern areas definitely do, because they usually, get, Alabama? usually gets cold enough to support snow at least once up there. So they have a huge thing of salt? Uh, yeah. I mean, they don't have the plows <laughs> like we do, though. Oh, man. <laughs> they probably don't have the mag, the mag chloride, either. Oh, yeah. Remember that drive home from the airport, Ben? That was awesome. <laughs> Where we drove with basically my windshield covered in mag chloride and I couldn't see a thing. <laughs> it was like pure brown smear. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and so we're, it's just a blizzard, the road was going yeah. And so we're, so we're driving, or I'm driving and then, you know, it's so fogged up. To the point that I finally couldn't see and I had to pull over to the side of the road. And I was kind, and I was kind of afraid at this point because I was on, I was getting onto base, I was getting onto Interstate 270, which would eventually turn to 36. So starting to get into some busier traffic. (laughs) So we pull over to the side of the road and we grab, and I have a little bit of water in my water (laughs) bottle. 
and I get this chunk of snow out. And like Ben co- Ben covers my windshield with the water in my water bottle. And then I just I just start rubbing at the windshield with the snow. <laughs> Ground it off. Yeah. I don't know what the temperature was out there. Was it like twenties? I mean it just snowed. It was probably pretty warm. I'm surprised it didn't like instantly freeze on here. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it wasn't. That's what I was thinking. Like, I don't think it froze like as fast. As it, it, yeah, it was, like, I think it was over twice. Yeah. Okay. Typical snowing. Yeah, exactly. That was heavy snow too. That was a kind of it was banded precip or something. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a jet streak. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, well, I remember the night. I remember the night before was brutally cold because. Because Joseph had picked me up from the airport, <laughs> and it was about five in downtown Denver on New Year's Eve. Oh yeah! So I picked you up on on the oh, yeah. eve of January first, and uh, yeah, I think it was a little bit warm. Yeah, maybe it wasn't that much warmer. <laughs> but yeah, looking forward to the winter, aren't you? Winter, hate <laughs> <Big> winter. <laughs> but snow's nice. Don't have to worry about bugs. Yeah, that's true. I have no bug problems. Oh, I hate bugs. Anywhere. Yeah, literally. Other than a few bees around the house. Yeah. Yeah, they don't bother me really. But. Just good to have your fireplace going. Yeah. So true. Watch little Netflix. (laughs) Yep. Well, cool. Well, I guess I can, uh. Yeah, you need to get your topic. Well, like, if you're still listening. Um, <laughs> we'll go into our topic of the week and I was just yawning earlier so I'll try to keep this relatively short it's only 10pm <laughs> local time yeah. so it's perfect timing because we're recording this in September and this is usually the, the month where you get your minimum in your arctic sea ice extent um, maybe so, listeners don't know what sea ice is Yeah, but they probably want- do <laughs> Ben, you want to describe that? So every winter in the Arctic, the sun goes down and it doesn't come back up for varying amounts of time, depending on what latitude you are. But usually it can be as much as six months uh, and as little as, you know, one night. But (laughs) yeah. But anyways, the winter, the ocean freezes and you get ice on top. And snow probably. (laughs) And that's called sea ice because it's on top of the ocean. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it kind of fills pretty much the entire uh, Arctic Ocean and starts coming down along Greenland and northern Alaska. Yeah, but yeah, so this is the big climate discussion. Yeah, what, so, what's happening to this ice with climate change and yeah, so we we thought we would uh, give you an update for where the sea ice is currently this year and how it compares to say the past few years. So from the National Snow and Ice Data Center, which is actually here in Boulder, Colorado. Um, 30th Street. On 30th Street. <laughs> <laughs> I actually bike through it. Bike, bike by there pretty pretty often. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so in August, it was actually, or this year, um, the... August sea ice extent is about um, 5.6 million square kilometers, <laughs> which is hard, doesn't mean much, but it's like 2.1 2. Uh, million square miles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
which is like the fourth lowest in the satellite record, which oh, wow. began in the 1970s. Um, it's a, it's actually, it's also below the average from 1981 to 2010. And so the question is, what is it gonna, what will be the actually the lows? What will be the the minimum this year, comparing it to say 2012, which was the lowest on record? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, this, but the sea ice loss was actually actually fairly average in July, but then it started to decline at a faster rate um, in the summer in early August. So, so if you look at mm-hmm. the Snow and Ice Data Center, you can, um, one of the ways you can forecast what the low might be is to extrapolate from the current extent where you are for right now, say like early September. Um, use your previous years, um, for those rates of decline for your daily sea ice loss and then predict forward, um, what the, um, predicted minimum could be for this year. So. Question? Yeah. <laughs> Are you taking um, questions, Dr. Cran? Yeah, I'm actually just reading this off a chart, so I'm not very experienced in it. <laughs> oh, okay. So what what are they what satellite do they use? Is it Landsat? Or uh, it, it used to be the Aqua satellite, right? I don't know. I think but then I think in uh a few years ago it was like decommissioned because the battery the batteries died or failed or something. Something like that. So yeah. I'm not really sure what what they're doing now. I feel like they could use anything. I think <laughs> that's cold I think, orbiting. I think Japan has some kind of satellite. Okay. But other than that, I'm not. Really It'd be so easy to detect sea ice versus ocean. Yeah, I mean, they could use almost anything. I bet. Yeah, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. That's probably there's true, such yeah. different surfaces. I don't know. I'm just curious yeah. what they use. Yeah, when that satellite went down, they still were recording it. So they must have had some other polar orbiting satellite, like yeah. you're saying. Right. I'm sure they have backups for everything. I would, yeah, I would think so. A lot of stuff. And like you, sh- you said, they should be able to distinguish between the two surfaces and the and the and the tap and the temperatures based on the radiative emission mm-hmm. coming off it. So. Oh yeah, that's good. Yeah, I don't know what what they use. 2012 was, yeah, that crazy warm year. I remember, I think I was in Greenland that year. And it was like one of the warmest days in like the last 120 some years. Since oh, like yeah, the 1880s. Yeah. And they were using some satellite. They could tell which areas of the Greenland ice sheet were melting on top. Reflectivity or something like that? Like, yeah, like somehow they could tell if there was like surface melt going on anywhere. Hmm. And yeah, like the whole ice sheet melted. Wow. Like places that haven't got that cold or that warm in like 130 years. Yeah, pretty cool how they can do that. Yeah, 2012 was a pretty crazy year. That's in the Arctic. Yeah, it was. And in Colorado. (laughs) For one, but yeah. Yeah. So you got the satellites that are just flying over constantly and taking these measurements. Uh And they're really keeping track of these, the the amount of sea ice, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they can monitor this pretty closely. Daily, I think they measure it daily. Maybe twice a day, I don't know. I do a daily average or something like that. But, um, yeah, so if you start with the ice extent, um, August 31st of this year and apply it to the, um, 
2006 loss rates, which is what the snow and ice data center does. Was that like an analogous year? Um, it was the highest. Um, what? Uh, I'm not sure why they chose 2006. I'm guessing it was maybe like an analogous year or something. Maybe similar to or this. Or like, um, no, I don't know. Maybe similar to this Some year. more patterns or something? Yeah. So that would predict, um, that would predict a minimum of four and a half million square kilometers, um, or 1.7 million square miles, um, which would be, you know, above the minimum in 2012. Wow. So you're saying this year isn't going to be record breaking? It doesn't appear to be. Um, but you can also say, okay, what would be the lowest it would possibly go? And you extrapolate it. And that would be roughly around 4 million square kilometers. So, there's a different, there's a, you know, give or take a few right, million yeah. square kilometers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because no one, there's going to be varying weather patterns. There could be um, other factors to consider. Um, I think this gets a lot of news attention. It does. Because people like to latch onto it. It's like, and noticeable, you know, something you can actually grasp for climate change. You know, the ice is yeah lower now than it's ever been than we've measured. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if that's really a good thing. Well, well not. I don't think it is really. Yeah, what were you gonna say? It's a more intuitive discussion than than many other things in in our field. So it, yeah, you're, like you said, it's it's easier to just latch on to something like this. Yeah, it's just tangible jump. for people to relate to. Right. Yeah. I don't think it's that great of a thing to latch on to because you get there's such a big feedback between year to year. That's the issue. Yeah. Is that you know it's not directly related to how much warming there is. Yeah. Because you know there's it's just the fact that the ice you know it doesn't. You know, there's some ice that stays around for 10 years or more. You know, it keeps getting, building up thicker and thicker every year. You know, if you get a little bit of warming every year, you know, it's going to shrink the ice significantly the next year, even though it's not necessarily that much warmer than the last year. So I don't think it's just that, you know, it doesn't correlate the temperature that very well. And I think we're going to be continuously breaking records, you know, as we move forward. You know, this record's going to be shattered almost every year. It's not necessarily because it's getting ridiculously warmer. It's just because, you know, we've reached that threshold. Yeah. Where, where we don't get the extremely thick ice building up every year. Yeah. Yeah. And well, well, obviously, the big, the big problem I see from all that is that, you know, the me, the media will probably roll, will basically take, take that idea of temperature increases with sea ice melting and just and just roll with it and deliver deliver that to the general public and we'll just misconceive and mislead the public altogether and so that's some that's something that needs to be I think better communicated moving forward to the to the general public is somehow this information needs to really go out that okay so temperature isn't isn't the only variable we should be looking at here. We need to look at other variables. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the biggest ones I think of are like, I don't know, ice dynamics, the way that the ice forms. Right, yeah. And, you know, the weather patterns yeah. that are pushing the ice to, you know, you know on top of the surface, mm-hmm. yeah. building it up in certain areas. And 
I don't know. I mean, it's definitely related to climate change. Yeah. I mean, we've already reached the threshold where the ice is pretty much in bad shape. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's, we're, you know, just because the ice is right. disappearing really fast doesn't mean, you know, the climate's getting so much worse. Right. There's yeah. Other yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, dis- I'm not disagreeing. Yeah. No, it's a good topic. <laughs> it's a good topic. I was just, yeah. But yeah, September 16th was September 16th or middle of September is usually where the minimum minimum happens and then, you know, the sun angle starts getting below the Arctic Circle, so it starts getting colder again. Um, but there's like another, mm-hmm. I found this pretty interesting that there's like another potential forecast tool that you can use to predict the minimum sea ice extent. It was actually a paper that was published last year. Um, in nature climate change um so it's titled september arctic sea ice minimum predicted by spring melt pond fraction um and so you're probably wondering what is a melt pond um but essentially what happens is that i'm looking at my cheat sheet here uh what is that (laughs) Uh, (laughs) what do you mean so like in the springtime, when the sun starts shining again on the Arctic Circle, uh-huh. it starts melting the ice, and you get these ponds of water, I guess. Yeah. Forming above the ice. Yeah. And then it. Just think about it, sealed. Where's the water going to go if it's melting? Kind of on, on top. On top. Just going to sit yeah. there, yeah. 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 Until right. the sun heats it enough that it actually melts itself out below. Yeah. Yeah. And then okay. that reduces the reflectivity of of the ice. Yeah. Or the surrounding region, I guess. And then it would create like a positive feedback, which would lead to more, I guess, melting of the ice. More energy is absorbed, it warms up more, it melts more ice, makes more melt ponds. Let's, you know, further absorb more energy. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's, so you're saying that's a predictor? Some. This is this one paper by David Schroeder and his co-authors. Showed that, um, you can, if you determine like how many melt ponds there are in the sp- early springtime, it's an indicator of what, how much ice will be left at the, at the minimum, like in September. Wow. That's a pretty interesting correlation. Um, it seemed like it was a pretty, there a pretty, pretty high correlation. Uh, yeah, there was a graph. I don't have it with me. Uh-huh. I mean, you can look it up. It was like a scatter plot that was like a perfect line, or it was like it was really scattered. Probably scatter plots. Like, yeah. What was like the correlation? Um, I don't recall actually. Okay. But, uh, yeah, um, I was curious. But so these researchers that from seems yeah. sketchy, but yeah, it's, yeah. There, I think there was one paper that started to question how reliable it is. But um, so these researchers are from University of Reading. And last year, they announced in June that the ice extent, the average for September would be around 5.4 million square kilometers at the end of last year. And we got down to roughly 5 million square kilometers for the minimum. So it was pretty close to that, um, predict, I mean, close to the observed low. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, how reliable is this? Obviously, there's other other factors to consider as Ben pointed out um, we didn't even discuss weather patterns but mm, yeah. that's an obvious play for sure 
temperature anomalies, um, the winds, ocean maybe, temperature? maybe ocean temperatures, mm-hmm. ocean circulation, possibly. polar bears. Polar bears? Polar bears. <laughs> penguins? No. <laughs> penguins. No, no penguins. Um, but yeah, they showed in this paper that, so the year with the smallest pond fraction in late spring, which was like 11% in 1996, that year actually had the biggest sea ice extent. So it correlated pretty well. And then in 2012, we had the largest pond fraction. 34% of the Arctic was had um, these melting ponds, and that featured the all-time low extent. So is this just, you know, correlation does not equal causation, or is Mm -hmm. there something physical connected to it? So that's what I was going to ask you guys. (laughs) Do you think there's anything physical about about this? Because they're looking at the springtime, and you're going to extrapolate that forward, say, five months. Well, let's think think about the physics here. What's, What's going on? I mean, whenever you have more water on the surface as opposed to the ice, yeah. is that going to reflect more visible radiation back upwards, or is it... No, it was. Yeah. It yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, it makes physical sense, but is it true? That's... I mean, if you had, the, you had, you know, say in May, you had one year where it was, you know... Lots of melt ponds. Another year there were, there was less. When you get all the way to September, is that really going to say something? Yeah, it's a good unless the two years were identical as far as weather patterns, temperature patterns. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, in that case, yeah, they would be perfectly correlated. Yeah, but there's so much can happen in between there. Yes, but I guess they're saying that's not that important. Obviously, if that, they're highly correlated, then I guess so. whatever happens the rest of the year doesn't really matter. I don't know if they're saying that, but or, you know, not that you know, really. It's maybe really they're saying if you just relied on that, a good first estimate might be, you know, something like this. I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then you can say plus or minus some <laughs> plus or minus a half million square kilometers. <laughs> I think I asked you this earlier. Well, why do we even care about this? I mean, why do we need to know exactly what the minimum extent's going to be? I mean, that's a good question. I mean. I, mean, I, really I know it's got I mean, voting concerns, I would think. Like, yeah, I think the one reason that they were stating this was also caught in the BBC news that found this paper, but I think they were talking about, you know, good predict- predictability for maybe these oil companies that are trying to develop in the Arctic. Mm-hmm. So if they know when the minimum extent's going to be or what the minimum extent will be, then they can you know, move their operations and, and so forth. Right. That's the one thing I could see. But other than that, I mean, maybe just looking at a climate perspective, maybe trying to extrapolate it forward or, or backwards and maybe look at trends or something like that. But I don't know. <laughs> it was just an interesting topic that I thought would be worthwhile sharing to, yeah, our, listen- good. to our listeners. <laughs> but, um, um yeah. Yeah, I was gonna mention. Do you guys know about like the big icebreaker ships? No. That plow through the Arctic. They actually, like break the ice. Oh wait. Yeah. I think I read an article on. This like, they're some day. of the most powerful and like armor-plated ships that like take on the ice. And, like only certain countries have them. I think I, I think I read from somewhere that the United States doesn't have that many of them. I don't even know if they have any. 
Yeah. I know Sweden. I know Sweden has a lot. We're at somewhere that we have. I think we have two. Yeah, we could. Yeah, possibly. Wait, some of them. A lot of them are nuclear powered, Mm -hmm. and they can't actually go anywhere outside the Arctic. Right. Because they need the Arctic, the cold water, to stay cool. (laughs) You can't take them to the tropics. (laughs) 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 Or it'd be like a nuclear meltdown. (laughs) They somehow use the the cold water. What are we gonna break mm. in the Atlantic? <laughs> <laughs> to cool the nuclear reactors and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, they're crazy. They just plow through the ice. <laughs> they do lots of, they just have some of the research vessels for NOAA use those. Mm-hmm. They get, they contract the Swedish ones. Okay. They t- you know, put all their instruments on top of this icebreaker and just plow through the Arctic Ocean and yeah. they'll, you know, in the middle of winter. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, Get somewhere where they're comfortable and then freeze in there for the winter and float around. <laughs> stuck in the ice. That's cool. And wait till you get melted out in the spring. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then they do that. But. That's cool. So similar to this topic about your Arctic sea ice, what do you think about Antarctic sea ice? Uh. You know, the media doesn't talk about that. That's true. Yeah, they really don't. Cause it's, it's the exact opposite, right? It's been above average the last yeah, five or so years, I guess. Um, it's been, hmm. I, I don't know if there's actually a trend to it. I mean, there's people in the media that say like, oh, the extent is actually increasing over time. Yeah. I think it is over a few years, but I don't know if you can extrapolate that beyond. Oh, what about the Arctic? It's only been since 1996 when we had the max. I mean, As, yeah. I mean, that's 19 years, I guess, but that's, that's a good question. But I've always wondered is that like, if you look at, so after that, if you look at post 2000, mm-hmm. is when you get most of your decline in mm-hmm. the Arctic sea ice. And before that, it's been roughly close to around average, I mean like stable, mm-hmm. it looked like. And now it's just spiraling down. And now it's like down, so I don't know if there's some other natural variability coupled with... Was there the, like a, was there a, well, I mean, there was the PDO, which went into its negative phase after 2000, but I have no idea what it could be. I mean, I'm just wondering if there's some other natural component that's also coupling with what we're seeing going on. But, right. I mean, it's just a coincidence. It's just interesting how it all just happened after 2000. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, but maybe it's that positive feedback from greenhouse gases. I just think a lot of it's the fact that it's melting that thinner ice every year. Since about probably 1990. I mean, I, I mean, I just think they reached a threshold and now, you know, there's so much thin ice that it doesn't take very much warmth at all to melt at all. Sure. Every year. Well, like, I don't know. Well, I suppose the question moving forward is, will this downward trend continue or will it bottom out and start to rebound? Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. I, that's that's you got me. <laughs> I don't know. That's hard to predict. My feelings are that I don't think you can come back. <laughs> Just by the way that, you know, you, you keep making you're not gonna be making that thick ice anymore. You know, ice can only get so thick in one year. How uh, thick does it get? I don't I'm not really sure, but <laughs> But who knows? I would say it couldn't get much thicker than like one or two meters in one year. It sounds about right. And like, you know, back in the 90s when we had all the ice and the 
a crazy extent, you know, I think it never a huge, you know, if it, you know, if some ice doesn't melt one year, then it's just going to be getting thicker and thicker the next year, and it's going to be harder and harder to melt. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I'm just kind of saying the same thing over mm-hmm. and over, but yeah, so. So, I mean, what, what gets it in that positive feedback where it would continually grow each year? Yeah, like, that's is the it, thing. Is it more, like, surface temperatures? I don't in, know. In that case, or what, like, what is it? <laughs> well, I mean, like, what would make it increase over time? If it just didn't melt completely one year, just yeah, just, like just a, one year. Yeah, that could that could be maybe it. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Maybe, once, maybe it starts with temperature, yeah, and then goes to other variables. If you had one summer that was really cold in the Arctic, and a lot of the ice didn't melt, and then that would survive to the next year, and then it would get four meter ice, and then that would be really difficult to melt in one year. I was thinking about I what I was hard. I was thinking about what what would happen if we actually saw if we witnessed a thermohaline circulation shut down. <laughs> Perhaps that would create such a massive weather pattern change. To what? Would, save the world? Which would <laughs> we purposely shut down the thermohaline circulation? <laughs> it temporarily save us and then kill us. <laughs> we increased the sea ice again. And we're back to what we're where we were back in '96. <laughs> ice caps down to Iowa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're fleeing to Mexico. Are you proposing that? Are you proposing? <laughs> am, I, am I proposing that? Are you proposing that we somehow remove all the salt from the Arctic Ocean and Northern Atlantic, so it's super, so the thermohaline shuts down? <laughs> just, just shut down. So just basically create an imbalance in the in the density. Mm-hmm. Throughout the entire, which would eliminate the geostrophic flow in the, in the thermohaline. <laughs> Dude, we get, what if the whole world work do together you, on this? String the world's oceans. Do you think that's possible to control? <laughs> <laughs> no. What, I mean. So like, what if, um, what if the Earth's, like, tilt? Yeah. So this is very, very hypothetical. <laughs> okay, now like, we're just getting crazy. So, <laughs> what if the Earth's tilt was like such that the pole was like always dark? So okay. like how long would it would it take the ice to like go back towards where it was? Do you think? Like hypothetically. Back to where it was in twenty years ago? Yeah. I don't know. Like how long would it take to get I mean I would like, think a thickness of say like whatever you said it was ten meters or something? I don't know. Maybe ten years? Years. Maybe okay. five years? I don't know. I mean, I'm curious. I'm just curious. I mean, if you can do yeah, one or two wow. meters a year. <laughs> I mean, you can. Yeah, I guess that's true. I don't know. I, I, I think it's going to be hard. Unless there's some kind of little ice age. Yeah. What about, like, to get us. What about the Greenland ice sheet? You said it was like. You were going to ask Matt, actually. What? Oh, yeah. All right, Matt, trivia question for you. Oh, boy. If it has anything to do with Arctic weather, I'm not going to know the answer to it. <laughs> it's, it's, just general, it's just more general geography. Okay. Like, probably no more than <laughs> I, I, I guessed. Oh, brother. <laughs> we'll see. If you were to be on top of the Greenland ice sheet, hanging out, how much ice do you think will be under you? Oh, man. Uh, if well, you were at the highest point. Well, I'm trying to remember what the elevation, the highest point in Greenland is. That's not ice though, that's a mountain. Well, are we, are we considering, are we considering the, uh, the highest point of Greenland to be both 
terrain and ice. <laughs> <laughs> or just terrain. Um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but no, what do you think, like, the green and ice sheet? How thick oh it is? Oh my goodness, I... If I had to guess... Um... <laughs> What was, what was 20 your guess? feet? I don't know. What? 20 <laughs> feet? That's what Andy guessed. I think I guessed like 20 meters or something. <laughs> That's crazy. Something like that. You said 20 feet? I, I go on a limb. Yeah, 20 feet. Oh. You said what? It's like 3,000 meters? Is it really? Dude, there's like 11,000 feet of ice. That's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> if you cut it down, you see a 2,000 foot wall of ice. Oh my or a two thousand a two mile high wall of ice. If you just cut it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I thought everyone knew that. No. No. Like <laughs> So like how long would it take how long would it take Greenland to melt? So green ice sheet is super stable. Long term? Like it would take green green ice sheet no matter how warm you make the earth, it would take two thousand years to melt. Two thousand years? At least. Basically. Antarctica is way longer. Is that because it's on land, or is it's just so much ice? The top of the ice sheet never gets below freezing, right. except for that one day that I was there <laughs> in the last 150 years. Right. So just imagine, just that's the that's a lot of it. I mean, hmm. so that the top part is so high up that it's just never going to be below freezing. So the so what's the elevation of the highest point of the ice? What'd you say? I was there. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, 10,600 feet. So that's pretty high. But there's a mountain that's like 11,000 something. Right. It's not ice. It just comes straight out of your Right. Head. Just, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the ice is 10,600 feet. So like how much ice does it grow? This in, is a Greenland in, in Greenland? What? Uh, yeah, we can do no, it for another podcast, but like. Yeah, we're good. You said it doesn't snow much over Greenland, right? No. It's pretty dry. So like, well, in some areas. In some areas. But does it actually grow a little bit per year? Or is it just like maybe like a few centimeters? <laughs> yeah, so the middle the middle grows and the edges get smaller. So okay. just imagine it like getting taller but skinnier. Okay. I mean, this is like, it's super slow time scales okay. and like almost undetectable, but. Right. You know, it, you know, it's getting, okay. I don't know. I forget the amount of precip in the center of Greenland. There's like 70 centimeters of snow, which would be like 20 centimeters of liquid per year. So okay. like less like 10 inches of liquid, <laughs> 8 inches of liquid. Okay. Well, that depends on your snow water level. Yeah. <laughs> I've done this calculation. So. <laughs> but yeah, so it's. Okay. It's crazy. Alright. But yeah, so Greenland will never go away. No one will see Greenland be gone. If Antarctica actually started shifting in whatever direction. It probably is. I mean like so slow. You mean like so fast that we could Yeah, like rapid. Like overnight it moves like a hundred miles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a ma- I mean, mass earthquakes everywhere. Imagine, like what happened to the ozone hole? Would it shift with where the continent's going? Or? Why would it shift with Antarctica? Well, I thought I thought the the ozone. I mean, I'm not to, 
extremely knowledge on the the actual cause of the ozone. Oh yeah, side. okay. But but I I always thought that you know the fact that Antarctica was sort of isolated somehow allowed for the for an ozone hole to form there due to whatever reactions are occurring in the atmosphere is causing a lack of ozone in that area as opposed to other areas. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's part of it. Yeah, with the, the really the polar cold vortex, mm-hmm. the really cold temperatures. And right. And I don't know if that would be dependent on Antarctica being there. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, well, but because, but the north, yeah. but the north, but in near the North Pole, they don't have the ozone hole that the South Pole has. So that's an interesting thing. That's true. Well, that's mostly because the Southern Ocean keeps Antarctica. Yeah, you're right though. So if right. it moved, it might interrupt that Southern Ocean. <laughs> Jet stream. <laughs> which, which is so isolating in yeah. Antarctica. So I don't know. Someone wants to model that? <laughs> <laughs> they ha- I have seen models where they completely remove Greenland. Oh, yeah. You know, Greenland's a huge barrier. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 10,000 feet high and it goes, you know, all the way from like 59 all the way up to 86 latitude. Right. So if you remove that, you know, you're taking out a huge mountain range. Yeah. And like, what would happen? <laughs> I don't know what happens. I forget. But there were papers on it. Yeah. That was interesting. I forget awesome. what it, what it was, but it was pretty crazy. Just like the way if you remove the Himalayas, how it would impact everything in North America. And yeah. I thought, right. <laughs> just crazy. What, yeah. the world, what the world could be. What it could be. <laughs> or if you get rid of the Sierras and you know, the Rockies. <laughs> get rid of the Rockies. <laughs> <laughs> no, no more potential vorticity infection off the Rocky Mountains. <laughs> no more Leaside Chalk. I know. Have you guys heard anything about that volcano? That erupted back in like March. Where at? Over in in the Andes somewhere. I forget. No, I haven't heard anything. No, it was in Peru. I think. No, was that Chile? Chile. Oh yeah, it was Chile. Chile. Yeah, I was just curious if they were like already detecting aerosols all over the world or. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I've heard anything. I don't know. Feels like another Pinatubo or. No, I don't know. Ooh. That gets in the sea ice back into back into this little <laughs> normal way. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> Isn't it sad about the polar bears though? They like rely on the ice to survive. They're yeah. gonna have they're gonna have tough times. Yeah, they're probably having a tough time now, huh? Yeah, <laughs> right. Like being able to use the ice to get to their prey. Yeah, I guess they still have four million square miles. No, four million square kilometers. The question is, how many polar bears are there using that four million square kilometers? That's true. I wonder how many polar bears are there. I don't know. Or at least on Greenland. I don't know that either. Yeah. (laughs) A lot, but I don't know how much a lot really is. Yeah, I know. Be curious now. There's just too many of them out there now. For, for the area that they encompass. Oh, you think it's too many? I don't know. I mean, no, they're endangered species. That's true. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't know how many there are, but yeah. Yeah, that could be next week's podcast. <laughs> yeah, very true. <laughs> Wait, you know there's no penguins in Antarctica, right? Or Greenland, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> really? You know that? Yeah, I know that. But you thought it was 20 feet deep? <laughs> That's crazy. 
Alright. I don't know anything about but, uh, mountain convergence. <laughs> <laughs> or graphic precipitation. I don't know anything about hurricanes. So. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> but uh, that's all I had for the topic of the week. That was a good topic. That was a great topic. <laughs> Random topic. So. <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard anything about that at all this year. Yeah, I'm surprised that no one's talked about it. Yeah, I, yeah, I just haven't seen it. anything, really. Right. I thought I was just out of the loop. But <laughs> no, I don't know. I guess it's just not a record-breaking year, and the news can't jump all over it. I guess. Like they have. Yeah. Right. In the past. It's like every year with a new record. Yeah. <laughs> this year seems to be going back slightly. Yeah. But yeah. So. What are you guys doing for the holiday weekend? Briefly. <laughs> I'll be going home to St. Louis to see, see my family. So. Nice. Alright, Andy's going to St. Louis. Uh, I am packing my things in my old apartment and my girlfriend and I are moving to Longmont. Yeah. Moving to Boulder County for once. That's right. Boulder County, finally. <laughs> I made it. Woo-woo. Surprise. Like, yeah. <laughs> what were you in before? Um, I was in Jefferson County. Oh, Jefferson? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. I'm getting out of Jefferson. <laughs> where, and before that, I was in Broomfield County. Yeah, I've been there. So I'm already in my third county in Colorado. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I'll have to compare the three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and how about you then? That'll be good. Yeah. I'll be camping. Oh, yeah. Gonna head to somewhere near Glenwood Springs. Uh, supposed to be decent weather. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, it looks pretty good for your move day. Yeah. Sunday yeah. and Monday look really nice. And Saturday even looks pretty good. That's good. Yeah. But Glenwood Springs look pretty wet. This week, so I'm kind of a little bit worried, uh, <laughs> but that moisture won't make it over the continental divide. So, <laughs> right, can't be as bad as that. Or at least too bad, too much of it. Can't be as what? bad as that one weekend. That we oh came. yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, it rained like both days. <laughs> <laughs> the rain like came in the bottom of the tent. Yeah, mm. but <laughs> what are you gonna do? Nothing you can do. Should be a fun weekend. Oh yeah, I don't know about great. moving. No, that'll be fun too. We've been. Wanting to get out of this current apartment for a long time. And was this bad location or bad landlord or kind of kind of both? Bad Plus, apartment. lot a lot of the tenants there have dogs and they don't really they don't really maintenance their dogs poop. Oh yeah. Whenever they whenever the dog sees the bathroom out, there. I've had that so, problem before. It was yeah. so annoying. Yeah, that really got to me. And you don't, you know, you, you don't like walk anywhere. Right. You don't want to confront them, but at the same time, you don't want to smell that odor. Oh, you so, smell it? Yeah. I've never mean, had that problem. Not, not from, not from the inside of the apartment. Oh, okay. my girl, my girlfriend has complained actually a couple times about smelling it from the inside, but I haven't personally. But when there are days when you go out there and if the air is just really still, you can smell it really, really easily. So. That's just, it's something that we've <laughs> been dreading this whole time. I mean, quite frankly, when we first moved into the apartment, we were almost thinking to ourselves, man, can't wait till we move out. It's <laughs> oh, never something you want to have happen. No, no. At least enjoy it for a month before you realize how bad it is. It's not happening this time, though. This place is way better. That's good. Yeah. So, we're good. 
Yeah, enough movers. Yep, we're set. Nice. Yep. They have like four extra people, maybe a fifth. Uh, a couple of them are mm-hmm. super strong. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. One of them's in it, is an engineer. We're we're gonna need at least a couple strong people in order to get our couch up to the third floor of our new place. Yeah, you might need a couple engineers to like figure out the angles to get, oh, around, get around corners and yeah, stairs exactly. and into the elevators or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe they can uh, construct something to lift our couch. Straight to the third floor. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, so. That's um, exciting, though. Yes. Yeah. You know. Just a new scene. It's, all, it's always exciting. I'm sure you felt the same way when you moved to your new place, Ben. I love moving. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. But, I don't know. I think I could stay where I am now for a while. Yeah. Plus, I don't know. Dogs. Start pooping everywhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I don't think I have to worry about that. I don't think you do. <laughs> Not much grass. No. Or on that. Yeah, I think you're set. But, yeah. What do you guys think? I guess we could sign off, I guess. Signing on out, guys. Nothing else to say, really. Yep. Yeah. Thanks Covered for, all the bases. Thanks for listening, if you're still, still listening. Yeah. <laughs> we'll try to do better next time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're getting we're getting better. <laughs> oh yeah, getting be- getting a little bit better every single time. <laughs> okay, right. have a good weekend. Yep, stay yep. safe. Labor Day. Have a great Labor Day weekend, guys. See you next time. Get you next time.